Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the guys online. I'm normally on the other end as a host. It's lovely to see you. Welcome and thank you for being here. Well, here we are. We're in the series called Pause My Life. And this is week three. And we're learning to revisit, to reflect, and to plan. But you know what? It's a bit hard to pause sometimes, isn't it? I struggle when I'm busy to stop and think. And it's more natural, it's a more natural response to actually speed up and try and cram everything into the day, isn't it? Um, but you know what? When you have too much to do and too little, it's better that we pause. It's better that we stop. And when I was thinking about this, um, as I was watching some videos from um, a conference called the Global Leadership Summit, some of you may know it, and I was watching this interview with a guy called Dallas Jenkins. And if you don't know him, he's the director from a mini-series called The Chosen. And um, in this interview, he, he made a really good point and it stuck with me. It sunk in and didn't go away. He said that when they are filming, when they are in the middle of their day, they sometimes get there and go, oh boy, We've gone a bit slow this morning. We don't have enough time to do everything that we need to do by the end of the day. So he does this thing. Rather than cram everything into the day, speeding up, he actually takes a precious five minutes and he stops and he pauses and he reflects on what they've done, thinks about what they are doing now and plans for the remainder of the day. He prioritises. He makes his staff pause and stop. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to use the teachings of the Apostle Paul when he speaks to the um, Colossian church, and we're going to pause. We're going to revisit some God moments in our past, and we're going to reflect on what we might be um, being taught in this. All right, so let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you are about to teach us today. Lord, prepare our hearts to revisit, reflect and plan and let nothing distract us along the way. Let us hear your voice. In Jesus' name. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at finishing things. I'm also very easily distracted. You just asked my husband. Is there anyone else in the house or online who's a bit like me? Oh, I'm so glad there's hands. That's really good. Excellent. You know what, I start projects, but without good, in, good structures and processes to follow, soon I find something new, something shiny, and I forget to finish things. And journaling is something in particular that I often get distracted from doing regularly. Journaling helps you to remember. A few weeks ago, I thought I'd get out some of my old journals, and I thought I'd read back, and you know what I found? I don't finish journals. <laughs> there should be some on the screen there, there they are. They're just a few. <laughs> In about five minutes, I found those, and every single one of them wasn't finished. So don't feel so bad if you're just like me. You know, that, that insight, that learning, led me to reflect and to pray. 
And it then showed me that I need to be consistent and avoid distraction, just so that I can remember stuff. So in preparation for this message, I've read a lot of work of some wonderful authors. And one of them is by a guy called Tyler Stanton, and this is his book here, um, called Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. And in chapter 3, we're reminded that Jesus teaches us to pray and remember God. He says, remember who he is, remember who we are, and who we are to each other. This morning, we'll look at who we are by checking out what he has done for us in our past. And this is a very introspective, a very reflective activity. It will take some thinking and some remembering. Are you with me? Have I got some yeses? Excellent. But you're going to have to, th have to think. Paul, from the early church, knew that his listeners could get distracted. And at one point, he's, he's speaking to the church in Colossae. He encourages them to keep doing what they're doing and not get distracted and not risk losing what they've worked so hard for. They've grown really strong in their faith, and their work was bearing fruit. Others were learning about the good news of Jesus, and they were receiving hope. And this is what he says. This is uh, Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to work in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. They were walking in the faith. They were doing as they should, staying in line with the teachings of Jesus. They were established and grounded, but Paul was warning them. He was warning them against getting distracted, and he wanted them to remember what they had learned. So just for a moment now, I'd, uh, I want to ask you to revisit what distracts you. What distracts you from walking with God? What distracts you from what you need to do from God, with God? Is it work? Is it the success of life? Is it the th things that bring you comfort or pleasure? So I'm going to give you 20 seconds now to just sit and think about that. Well, you know what? None of these are bad things. God wants us to work hard. He wants us to find pleasure, and he definitely wants us to succeed. But balancing these, prioritising these and what God asks of you is tricky, unless your relationship with him is established and anchored. And to do that, you need to spend time with him in prayer and in his word. Today, we'll talk a little bit about how we can better remember what God has done in your past. And this will help you in being anchored and grounded in your faith. Well, we need to revisit, but we also need to reflect. And note that reflection is not recall. 
it is not just revisiting, it's actually more than remembering. Reflection involves pausing and analysing events, feelings, all in the context of the time it happened and in light of what is happening right now. We also have the benefit of being removed from the emotions that were happening at the time. So just like a mirror, reflecting shows us things about ourselves that we need to learn in order to grow in our faith and to grow and be more like Jesus. We reflect to gain insight into the big picture, his big picture, and asking him questions like this. Why is this important? Why, what are you teaching me? What do I need to learn from this? Well, I'm going to give you three good reasons to reflect. The first reason is that it shows us how we are growing by noticing the wins and the progress. You are growing. In that pile of unfinished journals, I also discovered that my knowledge of the Bible has improved. I found that my questions to God were changing from simple to complex. If we don't look, however, we won't notice and we won't, look for the we won't see the opportunities to celebrate the wins. Growth, you know, is not always visible in the now. It's sometimes too slow and sometimes too small, like watching grass grow. We need to look back and compare the then with the now. Growth is incremental. You know what else he can show us when we reflect and we remember him? He shows us how much he loves us. This is the second good reason to reflect, to know that you are loved. You are loved. God loves us all the time. He tells us all the time through his word and his actions. But sometimes, you know what, our awareness of that love leaks. It slips away. It leaks unless we do something about it. We either don't see it in the first place or we forget. We need to revisit and reflect. So let's stop for a moment. Think about a time when you were young or when you were young in the faith Think about a specific time when someone said or showed you that you were loved. What did you learn from this? And I acknowledge that here in the room and here online, there might, this might not be easy for some people. So spend, let's just spend 20 seconds thinking about a time when you were loved. What did you learn from this? Have you found a time? Have you, have you got a little picture of that wonderful time when you discovered that you were loved, when someone said that to you or you felt that from someone? 
Well, I want you to hold that thought. I want you to pick it up and just park it to one side. Write it down if you've got a, a phone there or a notes page. Just write it down. Or if you have a notepad. You know, God shows us that he loves us. He shows us his love in many different ways. And one of these ways is by encouraging us. He answers prayers. Yes, he does. He answers prayers. Not always straight away, but he does. Does anyone here or online keep a prayer diary? Oh, good. We've got at least two hands. That's good. Three. Excellent. You know, I use the YouVersion Bible app, and this allows, us, allows you to keep prayers saved, and then you have the option of marking when they are answered. And it's so good when you go back on uh, prayers from ages ago, prayers that you'd forgotten all about, and discovered that they have been answered. He answers and he encourages. So we need to go back and have a look for them. You know, he also shows he loves you. He loves us by showing us who we are. I'm a different person now to who I used to be, but change can be slow. And you may need to reflect a little and look for signs that you may have changed. I often ask myself, am I still on fire for Jesus? Am I still serving and loving him as I did once before? Am I contributing or consuming in his kingdom and to his kingdom? Am I following our mission here at Door of Hope by being Jesus-centred and others-focused? When we look in the mirror, do we see the person that God wants us to be? Do I do that? Well, we can learn from the mistakes of the Colossian church all those years ago. Let's read chapter 3, verses 5 to 10. Put to death, therefore, says Paul, whatever in, in you that is earthly, earthly, sorry, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Wow. Sometimes we need to notice that we need a change of clothes. I think I'm right for now. A long time ago, I was wearing some pretty, pretty dirty clothes. But you know what? God loved me as an atheist. And he showed me that I was more than a census statistic. He told me through the Bible that I was his adopted daughter and that he had a job for me to do. When I learned the truth of what Jesus did for me, looking back, that in that state, that current state, I couldn't make things up with him because he was holy, he was clean, and I was dirty. And when I learned that Jesus, through his work on the cross, that he made me clean before God by taking on my unholiness, 
that I was wearing. He showed me that I could be a new creation in Christ. I put on new clothes. When I look back now and I see the trajectory of the life I was living, that there was no hope, that I didn't know who I was, I see things are different. Now I know who I am. Because I know who I belong to and what I have to do. I have purpose. Let's think back to the reflection time that we had a minute ago when you thought about when you were loved. Was one of the learnings that you got there to show you that you have purpose? Was that one of your learnings? All followers of Jesus have an important common purpose to love God and to love others and to share their story. I choose to centre my identity in Jesus, be guided by him and focus on the job that he has for me right here, right now. But I had to remember, I had to look back and remember my story to uncover that truth and be able to tell others. There's one final way that God shows us that he loves us, and that is by correcting us. Now, I want to be a little bit vulnerable here, and I want to share a weakness. Over the last few years, I have had an unhealthy desire to gain knowledge at the expense of relationships. I thought that the more I knew, the better equipped I would be to do God's work. And there is some truth to that. But I felt that I was at a disadvantage because I didn't grow up as a Christian. I was 37. And that wasn't the case. He corrected me. Then God said, don't know of me anymore, Tracy. Just know me. Grow closer to me. Spend time with me as you do with others that you love. So I finished my learning and I started to listen. Less doing, more watching, more hearing, more hearing from him and asking questions. Has he ever shown you by correcting you? Sometimes that love is also shown by allowing us to feel pain. Have you ever prayed a prayer that goes something like this? Why did you allow this to happen, Lord? You say that you use all things for good for those who love you. Well, I love you with every bit of my being, Lord. But I can't see any sense in this. Ever had that? Ever thought that? And then thought, but now I look back and I see your plan and I see your purpose. God may not always show you the big picture, you may never see the reasons why he does what he does. His ways are higher. And we need to trust his promise that he does use all things for good. Now, pain. Pain is something that we avoid, right? Pain is something we avoid. Well, I have discovered that this is actually an isolated, Western, secular idea. And certainly not the thinking of Jesus and the people of his era. In his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, this was given to me by a dear friend, 
Tim Keller points out that many communities, Christian and others, see suffering as having a distinct purpose. But there are also some other ideas floating around that are not founded in the teachings of Jesus, and Tim details those in the book. In the book. But I'll summarise it for clarity. You know what? If we abuse our bodies by putting the wrong things in our mouth or not moving as we're designed to do, sometimes God allows us to get sick. I know, I've done it. There are consequences. If we speak out the wrong things or treat others poorly, sometimes this damages our reputation or our relationships. The philosophy of karma, which is not the teaching of Jesus, by the way, cites that if you suffer and respond well to suffering, it sets you up for a good time in the next life. Hence, suffering serves purpose. But there are different motives there. Islam and other cultures resign themselves completely to the will of their respective deity without the opportunity to ask questions. If it's the will of their God, there is no discussion. One just accepts and keeps going. Jesus tells us to pray and to ask questions, and the Psalms are full of them. And then there's luck. Well, luck is a bit fatalistic. It's also quite vague. It's not related to a person. Lady luck, maybe? Well, I've never met her, I'm afraid, and I don't follow the thinking that if something goes wrong, then we were just plain unlucky. Our Bible, our Jesus, teaches us a different way. The Bible teaches that suffering has purpose, but we don't do it alone. When we pause and reflect in our suffering or after our suffering, we are placing ourselves in a posture of teachability, of vulnerability and dependence. We are positioning ourselves to receive valuable, transforming lessons from Jesus with the comfort and the companionship of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to Colossians for a minute. We're going to uh, chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now this chapter, this is a passage in in the first chapter um, of Paul's letter to the Colossians. They were a people who suffered. The Roman Empire, of which Colossi was a part at the time, was ruled by the mad and infamously cruel man called Nero. Christianity rejected the worship of many gods, that's what was happening at the time, which was a threat to the religious and the cultural identity of the Roman Empire. They suffered. Now, I'm going to read from the last line of the final chapter of the book of Colossi. 
Colossians 4, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. He's in chains. He is suffering. In the midst of his suffering and pain, Paul centers his thinking on Jesus and focus on encouraging others. God uses him to show them how loved they are. Suffering builds our faith and provides God with an opening to show us that we are loved. One of the best places to learn about being loved is from the book of Job. In the Old Testament, the, the older part of the Bible, the author tells the story of a man who suffered dreadfully. FYI, a great daily habit to, cut, to start up, is the version Bible plan called Trusting God Through Suffering, and it's by the Bible Project. Just a little aside there. Let's look at three different versions of just one verse from the book of Job. This one's from the NIV, from uh, Job 19, verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives. Focusing on that word. From the New Revised Standard Version. For I know that my Vindicator lives. And finally from the message. Still I know that God lives. The one who gives me back my life. I really resonate with that gives me back my life. He redeems, he vindicates, he gives me back my life. He's in full control even when we face trials. The story of Job is about a bloke that suffered despite doing nothing wrong. So in this verse, he hopes to see God and ask him why. But in the learning, in the pausing, and if you read the book, you'll see that clearly, he gets to understand and he soon arrives at the point where he knows and he trusts that God is in his suffering and his faith is increased. We learn, he learned to trust that God still loved him deeply. Are you in a Job season right now? It's not easy. Hang in there. I have a little brief personal story to share with you. On the 4th of August last year, I had a health event that put me into hospital. Prior to that day, I am loath to admit, I didn't believe that God loved me. Now, this is last year. Up until then, I didn't believe that he loved me. So you know what he did? He used pain and a difficult situation to teach me that he did. During that time, I was alone in a ward with two men. <laughs> But there was a fourth bed, there was a fourth bed, and that kept changing occupants. For almost half of my stay, that fourth bed, wait for it, that fourth bed was occupied by wise Christian women. How good is God? I was given the gift of someone to pray with, someone to cry with, someone to praise our almighty God with, Lucky? No. That was my Lord showing me that he loved me. The man next to me was very, very sick. He was frightened, he was confused, and he needed constant care. And usually it was at night time. 
And there was one particular night when the alarms and the panic in the room was just too much, and I desperately prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, you are the God of peace. Please, Lord, please, Jesus, bring calm to the chaos. And you know what? He did. It was like a heavy blanket in the room. The volume decreased, the alarms lessened, and the medical team seamlessly and smoothly drew that man back to a point where he was stable. Is that coincidence? No. That's a loving God revealing his all-sustaining power. And we've heard about power in the songs this morning. So I got to talk to the old fellow about God. It seems that nearly dying is a really good conversation starter. I also got to talk to the anaesthetic nurse about his beliefs on a higher being. And I got to talk to the night nurse about her Nepalese faith and the value of Christian community here in Australia. In fact, I got to talk to lots of people because of that situation. Places like hospitals, places of suffering, are fertile soil for rich conversations. And God blessed me with with things like this every single day. And I've got proof in my journal, because I did journal that. Was I being opportunistic? No. God loves everyone. And he will use you in your hard times to bring others to him. You are growing You are loved, and let me give you one final word that I feel God really wants you to know. You matter. Can we say these three key statements again? Can we say it together, all right? You are loved. Sorry, you are growing, you are loved, and you matter. You ready? I am. Let's start with I. Let's do that again. All right, let's start. Back we go. I wanted to start with I am. I am growing. I am loved. And I matter. You did a much better job than me. Thank you. (laughs) Such is the value that God places on you and why you are here, that he sent his son to live a human life and therefore know what it is to face trials. He allowed him to die a death of indescribable suffering so that he could experience pain, so he could know what you're going through. And he didn't leave it there. He used his power, his power to raise him from the dead and to show us that there is hope and that there is more. So what are you going to do with what God has been showing you today? over the last few days, weeks, months, or years. Let's remember Paul's first message to the Colossians. Colossians 2, verse 6 to 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Together we have revisited and reflected. Now it's time to plan and to be thankful. May I suggest that you carve some time out this week to reflect and to explore more fully in prayer on those times when, you, um, when he has shown you how you have grown, how much you are loved, or maybe the thing that you need to reflect on the most is how much God values and cherishes you. 
Here's something fun you can do. I, my husband um, tried to go home to get this, um, but couldn't find it. He's probably having a daddy look. There's a, a thing, I don't know if it's up on the screen. Do you remember uh, what would Jesus do in the bangle? Well, I've still got one, but I've changed one letter, and I'd like you to do the same. I'd like you to change the second W to a D. What did Jesus do? What did he do for you? Remember that. Remember you're growing, you're loved, and that you matter. Let's pray, everybody. Heavenly Father, oh, that you desire to call us your children, that you grow us, love us, and tell us how significant and valued we are to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, as we go about our week, may we be reminded to remember you for what you have done, for what you are doing now, and fill us with hope for what you will do through us in the day to come. Transform us, Lord Jesus, and let all the glory be yours. In Jesus' name.